Hey everybody, it's Nolan North, you know, Nathan Drake from Uncharted, and you're listening to the Geek Apocalypse Podcast. Hello everybody, welcome to the latest episode of the Geek Apocalypse Podcast with yours truly, Mr. Stephen Hesse. Thank you so much for checking in, and we're checking in, like, yeah, we're, we're old school, it's like you're going to get an airplane uh, flight. Yeah, could you please just check in uh, a couple hours before now? Um, this is obviously a really fun episode. And uh, even though I said to say that every week, but um, why would I not? Otherwise, that would be silly. Yeah, don't listen. Just switch off. It's rubbish. Um, <laughs> no, seriously. Uh, Marty and Fran is this episode, which uh, they've been on before. Just to bring you quick with the context, they came on to talk about um, Gum on My Shoe, which was the idea for them talking about basically Marty and how he helps Fran with her bipolar disorder, even though. Marty lives in England, Fran lives in uh, Maine, uh, in Maine, I think that's how you say it, in, uh, in America, obviously, so they had an idea about writing a book about basically how to help someone with something like bipolar disorder, which obviously, from a personal point of view, I'm interested in being that I have bipolar disorder myself. So, that was the original episode, which I obviously encourage you to listen to, and um, they also were a part of the 100th episode celebration we did. And, yeah, so I invited them back on because I heard through LinkedIn, which I was very happy for them, that they got a publisher and they are going to release the book uh, next month, which I can't wait to get a copy of. And they've changed the name to High Tide, Low Tide. Uh, So we talk about that, obviously, on this show and talk about the process in terms of writing it and obviously gives people some pointers on how to help people with mental health. And yeah, so it's a really honest, fun discussion. I often, if anyone ever asks me like what my favourite episode was, especially when we reached the 100 episodes, I say the episode I did with them because we really have a frank, honest, open discussion. And uh, usually we try and do these shows for about an hour and end up talking way longer because these guys are so much fun. Um, and I get really interested in it. And I was really sort of struggling that particular the particular week I did this. Uh, whatever it was, 10 days ago or whatever. And, uh, no, it was a week ago. And, um, and, and yeah, so, um, it's, I really hope that comes across when you listen to it. So, a uh, huge thank you to them. Uh, if you want more information, obviously, if you type in Gum on My Shoe, they still use that as their own, like, trademark type thing. So you can listen, you can read, um, their information on their website and, uh, follow them on the tweets and stuff like that. Um, so in terms of news, so apologies for the delays in getting the episode, but that's why being not very well. In terms of upcoming episodes, I recorded a couple of days ago with Henry from Gumlin Games, so I'm going to release that pretty pretty soon after this. And I've been inspired in a solo capacity because I'm saying about having some personal stuff to deal with recently. Um, it's been exactly two years since I was in psychiatric hospital, um, which obviously I'm trying to deal with in a positive way. So I'm thinking about doing a solo podcast, kind of reminiscing about that in a kind of positive way, and hopefully that will help people and good for me to do um, so expect that really soon and I'm also going to write a blog about my experiences with bipolar disorder because I think that's interesting too um, and we also got the guys from Dark Souls 3 Dark Souls board game with Steamforge games coming up soon but this is the episode with Marty and Fran super fun honest hope you enjoy it booyah <laughs> Come on, get the 
because I think I'm right in saying the, the first uh, episode we did together was like when I was like sort of just out of hospital or something like that and I was like kind of like going through a transition in my life and these guys were in the process of writing the book writing the book on my show which has changed which we'll get into um and 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 just and with the fact that a friend of mine just told me before I started and I actually had like an emotional teary moment before we started because um a friend of mine mentioned about an hour ago that it's been two years since I've been in hospital and that's really quite powerful for me so like i had a real like sort of like great get yourself together moment before we started um but i feel out of every guest to be on a geek Pockless episode that i can handle it's great because i feel like i can talk about that because it's okay because um we've talked about stuff as serious as that before um so yeah i just think that's worth pointing out for context because if anyone knows anything about my episodes i'm extremely blunt and honest about what i'm going through so um so yeah so huge thank you to fran and uh, marty guests of the show welcome back guys I'm really excited yeah. <laughs> Yay. Um, it's good to be back steve it is it, it is good i am and i'm generally just to provide the context of why i'm excited let's let's stick to the excited feeling then we might get um because i don't want people to be depressed right at the beginning is <laughs> is um um let, let's start with the excited feeling of the reason i'm excited to talk to these guys in more detail about like i mentioned about the book and i'll make sure i say that in the introduction is they were on in particular in the main episode we did like the full episode with them they were talking about this idea about doing a, a book called gum on my shoe which i'll let them talk about because they're better at it than i am but they've changed it recently because they've got a publisher so to me that makes a huge bit of sense to, to ask you like individually like how that happened and like are you as excited as i am because i don't even know you that well i like i know you a little bit but it's just like i'm when i heard that news i was generally very happy for you so so what were you what was your guys reactions when you found out like and how did it happen um i'll, I'll maybe take the back story uh, <clears throat> in regards to the publishers um okay. it's about four just to set set the story it's about four uh Coming up to four years um, since Fran sort of suggested to, to uh-huh. me that we might, yeah, thanks, Fran, uh, suggested to me that, hey, you know, Marty, you might like to write a book um, about our friendship or at least about the, um, no, not a sort of autobiography about our friendship, but about the fact um, of what it's like um, to actually be friends with, to support, to care for uh, somebody with mm-hmm. mental illness, with bipolar <laughs> Sorry? I said a lot less than that. It was a very short little idea. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Was you it one of them too. things where, like, you were over, like, because obviously we should mention, for those who haven't listened to the episodes before and don't know who you guys are, is um, Fran lives in America and Marty lives in, in England. So uh, is it one of them things where you were, like, over the internet on Skype or something and Fran just said very haphazardly, like, wouldn't it be great if we wrote a book together and then it actually happened? Is that what, it actually, uh, what, it, what it actually was, we'd been friends for about a year. No, a bit over. It must have been a bit over a year because we met in the May and this was in October. Okay. Um, my, my wife and I, Pam and I, were away on vacation um, in the Lake District, and um, I was on a call with with Fran on this one day, um, Skype call with Fran, and uh, I just sort of said, "How you know we've been get, Pam and I have been going around various galleries, art places," and I was like. I got this sort of feeling, this urge to do something creative, mm-hmm. but I don't really know what you know what direction you that said, might be. You said everybody's doing all this great stuff, and I'm you know I'm not really doing anything right now. What do you think I should do? And I said, 
I know what you should do. I think you should write a book. <laughs> it should be a book about how to be friends with someone who's bipolar. And he was terrified. <laughs> I was I was. I was terrified because I realized pretty much in that moment that it wasn't something that I could just dismiss or, you know, laugh off mm. or, you know, like yeah, 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 that's it. Um so that was the start. So that was the start of the journey. Great. Um that was in the October and it took us a few months to kind of come come round to actually making an actual start on the writing. Um and um so we were plugging away over the best part of uh three years or so, three plus years so um writing the book, looking for agents, looking for publishers, um had some interest from here or there, but you know, we hadn't actually secured anything. Mm-hmm. And then what actually happened was my son Mike, um, he, he's, he's a writer too. He writes, uh, fantasy fiction. Mm-hmm. And he engaged with a publisher, Northern Publisher, Northern Publishing in, Nor- in Norway, um, last summer, um, for his, for his book. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> because they were a completely different genre, they published poetry, they published, um, fantasy fiction. Never occurred to us to approach them at all. But then, in the, the the summer, so it's probably only a couple of months ago now, a few mm-hmm. months ago, about three months ago, say. Um, my son so actually said, "Well, you know, the publisher's actually, you know, I've mentioned your book, and he's really interested." So that was how the connection came about. Wow. It's a completely new direction for the publishers, um, but they really connected with what we're trying to do, what we're trying to say, um, and you know, it's a, you know, we've really connected well with them, so. Wow. A couple of questions uh, leap to mind when you were saying that, but Fran, what was your reaction uh, when you found out? About about when pu- I about, found the, out about 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 the about the opportunity that someone was interested and um, Oh the publisher. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you know, it was so um it, it has been a long road. I mean we we took a whole year to looking for agents and publishers, you know, and really, you know, trying to I mean in my my idea it was we need to get because I did it. My book was self-published, and I did not want to do self-published. No, no, no. Um, and but I wanted to go big. Let's get big, you mm-hmm. know. So we're, you know, working on New York and stuff, and um, we just never really got any kind of relationship things going on with that. You know, not even to open a dialogue sometimes. And so when this happened. I was just like, I was very curious because I was like, oh, wait, Norway? Mm-hmm. That's not New York. There's like, yeah, okay, like the beginning and the, you know. Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, I was, but I was open, you know, I was open. And when we, I sat here with Marty and Michael, and from that moment when we first Skyped, it was like, yeah, this is totally it. Because Michael had such, um, passion and vision and integrity. He had read a lot of the book already and was completely on board, ready to go, wanting to make something happen. And, you know, that was just so amazing. It was so refreshing. The thing is, is that he's not only, um, he's not only passionate about publishing of books, but he really loved the whole idea of it. And it actually helped him with some of his own personal things. Mm-hmm. So it was just like we were, you know. And then 
you know, and then he was also committed to, you know, a very aggressive timeline. Um, so he was he was game for that. And a lot of the larger publishers, you know, it's going to be a year or two, you know, and everybody's got to get their little hands on it. And it's, you know, not, a, you know, we were we were very interactive with him. You know, we were working with him day by day. We were sending files back and forth. It was it was very it was a it was a so collaborative and um, you know not always easy <laughs> of you course, know, yeah. when people are working together but uh, for the most part I mean just bang up and then when the designer did the cover you know it's like I, I had been I had been traipsing all over the coast of Maine looking for you know a photograph that we could use of mine mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know I was you know putting in the sand high tide low tide Mm-hmm. You know, in the sand, and then taking pictures of it, and uh, so that was one idea. And then Marty had another idea that was very, you know, just col- you know, two colors, very simple but very striking. Mm-hmm. So we like, and we liked the things that we came up with. But when the designer came out with this cover, yeah, we were pretty much we were just speechless. And it was so funny because the designer said to us, "Just, just know before you see this, eighty percent of all authors hate their first you know, look at a cover. So, <laughs> That's kind of true. But we were, both, we were both speechless, and it takes a lot to get us speechless. We were, <laughs> we were just really, like, it really resonated. With, it was very simple. There's a subtle, there's an invitation. It's a really great cover, so I'm happy yeah. about that. Yeah, because... I mean, sorry, go on. I, we, uh, Franz, Franz mentioned the publishers now, Michael uh, Michael Cabernas, but I will, we'll, we'll just um, mention the, the designer who's also in the, part of the, the publishing um, Yeah team themselves that's Marcus um, I think my first word she said you know Fran said we were sort of speechless for a moment or two but I think my words first words to him were well you know I don't hate it <laughs> I mean this is amazing <laughs> so um, from that first view it's been tweaked it's been tweaked to the, the final version that's out there now that we um, revealed to the world on Sunday yeah, um, most we, most do we, Any everyone anyone I've ever talked to who does like covers <sighs> logos uh-huh. i mean i can tell you just from geek apocalypse i must have went through about 30 different logo variations before i found one i was yeah. happy with it it happens yeah. it, it it's especially if you know is it fair to say like creative people can probably have quite a perfectionist streak in them so you kind of oh, yeah. you kind of you know I, so you kind of yeah, you kind of do go up don't like it because oh. i don't like the i don't like the divot in the corner it's not quite it's like one yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like one point of a centimeter off so i'm not happy with it like so but it, it is it is, I, i'm definitely like that so i imagine i think the uh, creative people have this mm-hmm. procrastination passion perfection <laughs> yeah <laughs> and unfortunately pro- procrastination is like the heart is one of the most debilitating <laughs> things about it because it's the complete opposite of great of create being creative it's so being overly creative but yeah i totally get it like you know it's so yeah, i don't think i don't think i've ever said this on this podcast but um, because it, it comes up whenever i do any medical stuff it's one of the reasons i don't drive is for that very reason is that I, my attention level is just not able to like i caught i i could process getting into a car that it's like a serious thing that you need to be aware of things and stuff like that but then my brain would like easily have the capacity to just like not realize that i have to be switched on 
and and be aware of like my surroundings so i and it's quite people i've met people in my life who don't agree don't believe that i also say that it's because i want to be responsible for i don't want to be in a car and be responsible for other people knowing that i'm like that like i don't Mm -hmm. mind if i died by that mistake but the yes. fact that I might die, someone else might die because of me making that decision, I'm not comfortable with, so I just choose not to do it. Um, uh, neither, neither one of us cars. We don't have cars. Yeah. I don't have a car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah it's, I don't even like riding a bike. I could hurt somebody with my bike. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it's just like, I'm just like, because it, it, my attention's so ridiculous that I would be you know that's why i like sort of public transport in the sense because you're allowed to let your mind wander that's why i was having a talk with me the other day with a friend of mine about like i don't know whether you guys agree with this but i much prefer traveling on trains um than than, than, than planes for example because i like being in a straight line with a train and just the fact that you see like different countrysides and different towns and stuff on trains means that like you can let your mind wander and like you know i mean famously jk Rowling supposedly wrote the first draft of harry potter on a train um, for example, so I, 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 yeah, I just think I just think that's I don't know I don't know why I brought it up. It was just my, see, again, I was, by by showing I have an attention uh, attention wandering mind. I just proved it by having an attention wandering mind. <laughs> so there you go. Um, but anyway, to go back to the to, to, to what you said, because there's a few things you said in relation to your book that interested me. Like just for my curiosity, because. Um, I have dealt with literary agents once before, but um, because I did write a book when I was a teenager, and I actually like in my bravado, not aware of how difficult it was, I just went, I'll just send it to people, and like I did get, you know, a couple of a, a small bit of interest. Uh, yeah. And so I I understand the process a little bit, but what I'm curious about, and for people listening, is like, what do you send? To a li- like, because uh, is it? Uh, am I right in saying it's like a literary agency, or I guess it's the publisher, or did you? Uh, do, is it? Li- uh, is there such a thing as literary agency now? Like, has it changed since? Oh yes, sure. very much so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, was it a literary mean, agent you were talking to? No, um, the way it's ended up with mm-hmm. our publisher, with Michael and Marcus. I mean, they're the publishers, so yeah. we don't have an agent sort of in between. Okay. Because um, we've connected directly with oh them. yeah you direct, you said you directed for your son doesn't it we're, yeah. we're okay. connected directly with them so yeah. we you know we deal our contract is direct with direct with them okay um but we like over the past year or two um we've been approaching actually probably a majority of agents as opposed to publishers we have approached some other publishers directly but we were you know attempting to, to find an agent first on the basis that it, if you if you manage to achieve that, then it's the agent's job to you know get you the best deal. Yeah, to pitch um, to pitch your idea. Yeah. yeah, but in terms of what um, what to send, it varies between fiction and nonfiction. So for fiction, if you're writing a novel, if you're writing a memoir, you pretty much need to complete the book. Mm-hmm. You write it all, you polish it all. It's complete from your point of view. Mm-hmm. And then you approach publishers or then you approach agents with, here's my book, you know, do you want this book? <laughs> with nonfiction, we kind of did it the wrong way because with nonfiction, really you're supposed to sell the idea. So you have the idea and you write up oh. a sort of like a business case, yeah. a proposal Synops- for that idea. Like a synopsis so like or something, I guess. Yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. so you tout that around and, you, you know, you hopefully find someone who's interested You'd probably have to have a couple of sample chapters or something, but you don't write the whole book. Yeah. And that's kind of where we were at the beginning when we were approaching agents. 
Um, we had some chapters written and we did the proposal. But then as we would, as time went on and we weren't kind of, we had some slight interest, but then we shifted the focus back to, well, let's carry on writing the book, you know, because, you know, I have a family, I have a full-time job, Fran has her life, she has her things to do. We have, obviously, we have our relationship, we have illness in there. Mm-hmm. Well, I, definition. Think, I think that the book was begging to be written and basically writing itself to some degree. Yes. I mean, yes, it's a lot of work for us, but, you know, when a book needs to be written, you know, you can't really stop it. It's very difficult to... Yeah, well, I, so, is I, that I, right? Would you say that's right, Marnie? I think I would, and, and particularly in a book like ours, because there is a lot of us. You know, it isn't just I'll, I'll say I'll say this up front for people. It's not just an autobiographical. It's like a memoir of of the past five years of my life and Fran's life that we've been friends. Mm-hmm. But it includes an awful lot of our examples. There's a lot of our conversations in there. Um, which are pulled sort of from our chat, from our emails or whatever. So there's yeah. a lot of us in there. Yeah. But um, it isn't, you know, it, it's a bit broader than that. Um, so there, there definitely was an aspect that the book, the book was needing to be written, you know, day by day, week by week, but also aspects of our relationship and what was happening between us. Things were happening. It's like, you know, this is material for the book. You know, this is very much what is going to, you know, needs to be in the book. Um, I mean, in particular, Fran had the opportunity to travel around Europe for three months. Mm-hmm. And that, our experience as friends managing that, both before and during and after, mm-hmm. you know, ends up being the final three chapters of the book because it oh, shows cool. in real, in, it's sort of in real terms, yeah. day to day, week to week, and how to it works. Honest, and it, yeah. And to be ahead. honest, and to be honest, Marty actually reaches for that guide when we're going through something. Mm-hmm. I absolutely I'm, do. I'm going through something, and he refers to it. So it's something that we use all the time, mm-hmm. you know, yes. in, that's, that's in our true. lives. It's not just like a, a book that you just set aside. It's something that really can be useful for mm-hmm. people. Yeah, because I was just going to say, in your guys' defense, like I get the premise of, if we're talking like sort of stereotypes of the way writing books and stuff, is that, yeah, as Marty says, it I guess the stereotyp- the sort of stereotypical way of looking at it in terms of as as you said, like writing a fantasy novel or something. Yeah, you've got to like literally make it up. I mean, you may get some. You may you're obviously going to have some influences and and all that kind of stuff. But you've got it's harder to write from a blank piece of paper than write from something from memory. But has someone who writes, you know, blogs and and have seen people who have recited stuff. It goes back to like I said about the perfection thing. Regardless of what the content is, whether you're reciting or from memory or or whatever it may be, to actually do it well requires still the same amount of effort. Um, It just is a different. It just is a different um, way of doing it. Um, It may take. It may take long. It's just basically what I think people make the mistake in is it takes a lot more prep to do a fantasy novel because I I had this idea for a fantasy novel for quite a while. And I remember, like, during one summer, I spent all of a summer writing just, like, a backstory because it was set, yeah. it was set in, like, space. So I wanted to come up with, like, what did the, what did we do to end up there, like, and come up with a backstory, almost like a, a, a prologue of what happened. So then, yeah. because I wanted mm-hmm. the story to be set, be set at a particular time. So that takes way longer than actually yeah. writing the thing. So the difference, that's, that's really what you have to spend the effort in 
in order to get to the position you guys are in. But my point is, once you start writing it, it's exactly the same effort. So for people who think writing fantasy is harder, it's it just takes longer. It's not necessarily harder. It just takes longer. That's 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 what I think about it. But um, yeah, but yeah, there's a couple of things. So. Because we've mentioned that you you mentioned like right at the beginning, I think it was that you've changed the the title. So can you tell me like was that a joint decision or was that did they come to you and said, you know, was there an issue with gum on my shoe or what what happened there? What was the story? Um, I'll I'll just briefly do it and then I'll hand hand to Fran. Okay. I'll just briefly say. Go on, Fran. Will you you tell us about where the gum on my shoe came from first? All right. So, well, uh, all right. So, I'll say where gum on my shoe came from okay. first, and then I'll say our process. Um, um, you know, during whatever episode I was on. Yeah, I can't remember. Sorry. <laughs> I, you know, I I said to um, Marty said to me, Franny. You're stuck with me now. <laughs> and I said, like gum on my shoe? <laughs> and that's, you know, and that was when we were thinking about titles and everything, I, you know, I said to Marty, hey, what about gum on my shoe? And for the most part, everybody loves gum on my shoe. Now, we keep that. That's our brand. That's our brand. That's our blog. We keep that. But um, the first time that there was somebody who did not, who hated Hated, hated, hated the title. She was a New York agent. She hated the title. And um, we didn't like the fact that she hated it. But um, <laughs> that was very useful. You know, everything's useful, right? You yeah. know, I mean, even if it's not what you want to hear, it's still useful. So over time, we we just, it, it kind of came slowly, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't uh, think that there was a moment in time that we did the high tide, low tide. Did this... No, I th- did this particular person, sorry, Marty, did this particular person give you like a reason? Because in my mind, as I've said, I said to you on the episode you guys were on when you talked about this, because I was going to say like, you don't need to necessarily talk about that too much, because I just say to people, listen to the past episode, because they talk about gum <laughs> on my shoe and how that came about in a lot more detail. But just, I got, I got, I got it, because it was essentially like, can't get rid of me, like, because gum sticks mm. and it's hard to remove and yeah. makes a whole lot of sense. But I guess if I was being objective, because I think, people who are like aware aware of the surroundings was like i have the ability to be objective is to say i guess if i could if i was going to be have like a be critical about it would be um it sounds a bit too vague um and it could mean it could have too many meanings is that so i'm intrigued is that what was that what did the agent say i think it was about money okay i'm such a fool it's not it's not a concept that most people can like relate to yeah. bipolar. Yeah. Okay. High tide, low tide, low tide fits so much better. Sorry, that so, was just also, you inadvertently. Fu- you were really funny there, Fran. That was, I don't. I know you didn't mean to be, <laughs> but that was just really funny. The fact I tried to come up with like a really good meaning, and you were like, "Oh, it's all about money." <laughs> <laughs> so that was that was so yeah, funny. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, Marty. Well, I, Go I, on. I, no, it's alright. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think it, it's kind of interesting because the gum on my shoe, I mean, from the original, you know, exchange that I had with Fran, you know, long before the book, um, you know, it's like, yeah, you're stuck with me now, like gum on my shoe. My yeah. instinctive reaction was, ugh. 
like gum. Like, like gum? Yeah. Gum is like, yeah. never mind stuck on shoe, just like gum is like, yuck, you know. Yeah, not um, really like important, like just a nuisance. Yeah, I, I get what you mean, yeah. But I got, I got the resin. Yeah. To, but, be, to be honest with you, I, I let, me, let me say this, too. Mm-hmm. Because, all right, for the most part, people are going to think of gum on my shoe, and they're going to think of the mentally ill person be the gum on the shoe, right? And to me, Marty was the gum on my shoe. In other words, he was keeping me here. Yeah. yeah. I didn't want to be here because he was the gum on my shoe. I'm here. Yeah, you can look so, at it as the metaphorical, almost like he's got his arms around your leg and he's like holding on. as you, <laughs> you know, Like that kind of, like that, like I, I, I I'm a, I, I mean, I'm a, yeah, I write songs and stuff, so I get sort of metaphorical, you know, poetic, poetic, um, you know, implications, and that I, I can, I can, I can stretch to, you know, it's almost like he's holding on for dear life, and it's like he won't let go, and because you, because you know, as someone who understands mental health, as we, me and Fran have talked about this, because we both have um, bipolar disorder, is that, um, is that you kind of need someone to do that sometimes in your life when you're when you're when you're struggling, is that. You need them to have like this unrelenting willingness to just keep being there for you because it's really, really hard to acknowledge that when you're not well. Um, it's funny I had a very, very serious conversation. I touched on this earlier with a friend of mine who I'd like lost contact with because we, I went to university. She, you know, started a family and stuff, and we became friends again. And we just had a really, really nice conversation a couple of hours ago, which was really sweet, just about like how much we missed each other, and it was it sucks that we weren't part of each other's life. Um, and she just said like how she was not happy to not be there for me and and I just said like I was honest with her and said sometimes I get in a situation where I'll need somebody just to like relentlessly go I'm here for you I'm here for you it's not you and it's going to be all right which is why like when I heard about your book I was just like when you said it needed to be written I think it needed to be written on a much more wider important social point of view as well it's not just like a personal story between you two it matters in the grander scheme of things um and i mean that's what led me to want to ask you guys like obviously we'll go back to to the to the because you mentioned the gum on your shoe and the the change in the title but just because we're on this subject like do you ever do you ever like get the opposing reaction of people who ask you why do you be open about what you've went through i know i think i may have asked you this before but it's always interesting to ask is like yeah do you ever get people who go why be open about your illness it's a private issue you're being i get sometimes the selfish card of the you pity yourself and it's all about you and and uh, which i think is missing the point so i'm just i'm asking you directly like um do you guys get that and do you understand it to a certain extent let me back like even before i met marty mm-hmm. while i was on that upward spiral um as I was up on the upward spiral, I lost friend after friend after friend after friend. People just, yeah, I lived on an island, you know. Yeah, and, um, maybe saying and, that. Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. and and you know, I just I was I was ostracized in a big, very big way. There were a few people that stuck by me, but um, Marty, when Marty came along and was just with me in it, you know, I'm you know. It's like I couldn't do anything. I was just completely incapacitated with illness, and there wasn't anything that I could do differently. I tried as well as I could, 
but people were backing off of me right and left. I was losing all of that, and it was horrible because then I, not only am I have, managing the illness, I'm managing having to deal with people rejecting me and leaving me and, you know, rolling their eyes and talking behind my back and everything. So when Marty said that, you know, um, you know, a few years later or a few a year or two later, I said, you know, if people, if if well people could understand that it's not all shitty when you're in a relationship with someone who has mental illness, that would be groundbreaking, because. There aren't any books out there like that. You nope. know, there's plenty of, there's plenty of people that are telling their stories and that's good. There's a, there's a purpose to that and that's fine. I didn't want to, I don't want to tell my story. I want somebody else from the, from the well one perspective to be able to, you know, bring well people into that fold so that they're not so afraid. Mm-hmm. You know, because, and so that's really how how that was brewing inside me. I was like, is there any way that we could, like, have people understand this, you know? I can't say anything else because no one listens to me. Nobody believes me. Nobody cares about me. Because it's almost like... um, That was very beautifully said, Fran, I have to say. And and I couldn't agree with you more because um, I think the... Um, it, there was a, there was an interview I saw recently, which I, I must make sure I mention. I want you, I want to know your guys' opinion, because um, I don't know if you're aware of Stephen Fry Fran over here, but um, he's like very famous over here, and he he has bipolar disorder, and he's very like upfront about talking about it, and he's very involved in. He's like on TV all the time and stuff like that, um, and uh, he has bipolar disorder. And I saw an interview he did very very recently on on the internet. And it really hit home with me because very similar to what you just said. But what I loved about the way he phrased it was, and I'm, I want to ask you directly whether you agree with it because it got me thinking, was he was saying that the problem with, I think he even like tweeted like an example of what he said, but it was basically along the lines of the issue with people who aren't got a mental disorder is they are never aware of the fact that a lot of it is not anything to do with the person going through it. Um, and there's that aspect, as well as the aspect of when they look at somebody that's ill, they are not prepared to live in a world where things things are complicated, um, which defeats the point of life in at all, because he's like, everything you ever do in any anything in life is complicated by definition. The fact that we're here is complicated. The fact that you know evolution got to as far as it did if it is because of us having the curiosity to move and to explore and to survive with each other and to look after each other. That's complicated. It's not. It wasn't simple to survive as a human race. We are here because two people decided to get offspring and to procreate and to create life and to look after it which is complicated and yet no one wants it to be complicated when it gets difficult based on somebody that's going through something that has biological factors environmental factors social factors their upbringing i mean there's a a lot of good research out now that's saying your first three years of your life are the most significant um which usually leads to stuff that you can't deal with so does that resonate with you and what I've just said? Because um, I that really hit home with me, and I just wanted to know what you guys thought. 
Uh, Marty, should I read the little piece that I wrote today? <laughs> go. Yes. Yeah, go ahead. Yes. It, this is not, it's short. Okay. Um, as much as it is hard, sometimes impossible, to walk with a broken leg, a broken brain is a horse of a different color. It controls the entire human system. So when it is not functioning, you are not functioning. I don't know why so many have difficulty understanding that it is not about character. It's not about snapping out of it, just as one would not expect someone to hop on their broken leg. I look to the day when understanding is the norm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I. The best thing, the best thing I ever wrote in relation to that, and I think you guys read it, was the thing where I did a blog about, and I easily got the most response I ever done was, um, "Be careful, personality and mental health aren't the same thing." And I wrote like <laughs> loads of, ex- I wrote loads of examples about why that was relevant, um, mm-hmm. and I couldn't agree more. Um, and I think the best thing I ever said, which is, th- I remember actually, I'll admit this because again, honesty, I actually came up with this in a therapy session. And I just said, I just said, really, like, what confuses me about the human race is that, as you just quite eloquently said, but my version of it was, why do we not focus more on um, how things happen than why things happen? Because how leads to understanding, why often leads to blame. Um, and, And I really, like, I say that to everybody now because I just think that's, my best way I've ever summed up why we should have that attitude towards everything we go through. It shouldn't be this difficult thing of um, again it goes back to that complicated description I just said as everyone think, yeah. wants it to be put in a box. Uh, but anyway, sorry, yeah. M- Marty, you haven't said something in a while. So yeah, I think, go for it. I, think um, I, hadn't he- I haven't heard that um, the Stephen Fry interview that you would uh, yeah, it's very recent. But anyway, about when yeah. you, no, when you were saying that you know life is life is complicated. Everything is yeah. I mean, in my head, I was hearing life is messy. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. complicated. It's it's well, messy. Know, yeah, it's, life yeah. is messy. Relationships are messy. Good relationships are messy. Bad relationships are very messy. Um, and I, the other thing that occurred to me when you were talking about that is. It isn't. Yeah, I mean, people generally don't like that mess. They don't like that um, messiness. And what that leads to, it's not. In some terms, if we're talking about mental health, mm-hmm. if we're talking about somebody that you know uh, was experiencing mental health uh, issues or difficulties, is it can lead to two things. You want that um, that messiness to sort of not be there. So it's either it can lead to like sort of rejection, the stigma, the pushing away, the rejection. Or if it's not that, or perhaps in, you know, alongside that, mm-hmm. it leads to the edge to fix it. You want it if you don't want it to go away. You want it to be fixed. So you might not want the person to go away, but you want the messiness to be fixed and to to, to stop. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I never want Fran to go away, but the, but it, um, there's it's not really possible, or it's very hard to. To see somebody that you know, that you care about, whether it's a friend, a relative, whatever it might be, mm-hmm. who is suffering, is who is going through a hard time, whether that's mental illness, whatever that is, yeah, yeah, um, without some part of you, you know, hope, you know, wishing that that wasn't wasn't so. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing wrong with that impulse. That's a human impulse. But also, but but the, but the counter argument. Sorry, go on. But but I was just going to say, but but I mean, where we where, where we need to be to be careful is to not to kind of. 
push it, push solutions, and push an urge to to make this go away. You know, on on that person. Yeah. So um, a huge part, I think, of why Fran and I work is that I, you know, I don't do that. I don't try and fix it. God, you know, God forbid that I, you know, that I did. Um, and Good point. the way she describes it is that I will, I will sort of like be there where she is with whatever's going on. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, sure, you know, we'll we'll try and come up, we try and come up with strategies to yeah. navigate through what's happening. I mean, that's what the book is about, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, strategies are different. Strategies are different than fixing. Different than fixes, yeah. exactly. It, it, it's you know, very good point. And it may just be tiny. It may be tiny little things, tiny yeah. little adjustments. Mm-hmm. But you know, there's not you know, you can't cut my head off. You know, my brain is here. <laughs> brain is so- <laughs> it's just like, I'd love that. If that was I've the solution. Never been, I've never been tempted to do that. No, I know. <laughs> I, I, thank God. Yeah. It's like if I just cut her head off, everything would be fine. Um, <laughs> it, it is. Um. Just to clarify, because I think you made some very good points there, Marty, and there was a, a counter-argument I was going to say there, but the, for, for your point of view, like, I get, I mean, obviously, I have actually, you know, it's not surprising, I'd be interested to know if Fran's been in the same predicament, but, it, you know, my argument is that you you are, you are you you need to be there for people in your life, regardless of whether they've got a mental health issue or not, so the idea of saying it's difficult comparatively speaking is it's roughly the same commitment regardless of what they're going through i mean but the 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 difference is the difference is though which is the point you were getting to was that and i'm sure fran will nod ahead when i say this is when you say about strategies and stuff the thing that i know as someone who people who knew me very well i knew the fact that it irritated them but i think they didn't realize it irritated me just as much as that strategy may work one day and then not work the next and that's yes. that's the thing that yeah. most pisses people off yeah. because they can't deal with the idea of that it's not pro it's not a progress that goes along a pyramid of like reaching the top. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. It's like you may go for you may get two steps forward one day and then go four steps back. Um, it's, that's, like, it's like riding a dragon. <laughs> that's a good. Yeah. As a big huge geek, that's a very good description. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I get that. That's a very good point. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I think to as you say, it's quite right to defend people in that aspect of finding it difficult. But the thing that is the most difficult, and I think you know Fran was touching on this earlier, is the, the that abandonment, abandonment feeling, um, and in the way that 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 that, that comes across is, and the thing that angers me from an objectional point of view is people think that is the most um, morally binding best way of dealing with someone is to completely you know get rid of them entirely and claim that that's them caring for them um that's something i have a real problem with because i don't think that is that at all and yet that's reinforced a huge amount by people as going oh yeah it was the right thing to do because they were struggling to deal with what they're going through it's an invisible institution yes the institutions are gone but the invisible, in the the invisible ones are very much still here. Very, very much still here. I mean, it's just amazing how when people find out, you know, they just back away, you know, and it, it says more about their character than anything else, mm. right? You know, because exactly because you're talk, you're talking to someone. Uh, you know, to, that's why when I, I get angry when my character is tested because I got a lot, as you said, you get the whole thing of which I know, Fran, we've talked about before. You get the whole try harder. 
you're not doing enough. Why don't you just do what I did? And um, as I've talked about before in, in lectures before, this idea of it being a competitive field, like a competitive thing of, oh, you don't know what it's like because I went through something worse than you. That's not helpful. Um, it doesn't it doesn't make any real significant difference. But um, it's not about trying because you'll find very often, even when you're at the most difficult place, that person is trying as much as their brain will allow them to be. It's all about sort of capability. It's all about how much can they do at that particular time. Um, and the thing that, they, that most is destructive about the way people deal in that aspect is is that as you said this earlier and i think you phrased it better than i did is that you not only have to deal with the life in some cases life-threatening situation that this this illness does to you you also have to deal with the fact the very society you're trying to get back to is the very society that's trying to impeach you and leave you behind how 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 can that be motivating? How can that be, by definition, the right thing for us to portray? It makes our lives... But it, it makes us the outcasts we're trying not to be, and they're claiming we're not, and yet they're doing everything they can. Maybe, obviously, the, obviously I don't think that's their intent, but that's the outcome, is that we're put in the very position they're claiming we're not in. Um, and I found that fascinating uh, fascinating now because I'm not in that situation but I'm thinking of the person who's in the hospital I got out of and is being treated the same way which is why like, I think going back to us talking about it openly I think that's really really important that's the reason I talk about it It's and it's difficult like you know I want to ask you guys like in terms of writing it I know you said like it's a memory in terms of writing the book and, and being friends and dealing with you know, Fran's illness and, and even Marty's just life, because I'm sure he's talked as friends, is, like, was it difficult going back to difficult subject matters? Because I guess, obviously, it. am I right in assuming you would have write, wrote a lot about helping Fran and and so it would have been, obviously, very difficult, you know, memories to go back to. Is that fair to say? Um, reading, reading the book, the last time I read the book, I had tears. I went, I didn't, I did not get through that without wet eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about you, Marty? I think that's the last one. Yeah. Um, for my for myself, on the on the whole, perhaps because I was kind of like more. I mean, there, there is so much of of Fran. I don't. It's not, it's not like I don't know, 50-50, But it, it you know. Because there's an awful lot of it is our conversations and such, which by definition is sort of fifty-fifty. Mm-hmm. Um, the the book as a whole is voiced from my perspective, but it's very you know the, it is jointly authored and jointly contributed and so. Mm-hmm. But um, because I probably had the most sort of continuous sort of writing experience through it, from yes. top to bottom. Um, I think for Fran, like you're just saying, sometimes when when we've read through and we read through together, um, not that long ago when the book was just, you know complete um maybe brought things back to her that you know maybe she you know not, not completely forgotten about but uh, to, to see them to see it all brought together yeah um i don't i don't for myself there, you know, there are some yeah some parts in particular um that that were like quite hard not hard to write not hard to sort of decide to to include um i don't think there's an awful lot really off the top of my head that i was like oh that really should be in, but I'm, I'm not. I don't feel I can, you know. I don't think we should, or I don't think I can put that in. But there certainly are some parts where, um, 
it brings back some painful memories. I mean, I hope it evokes, the, you know, an equivalent kind of emotional response in the reader, not just yeah. Fran and I. Because um, I, I guess the reason the, I'm bringing it up, and I feel that, I feel like, you know, I feel like it, I, I, you'll, you'll answer this honestly, because I think you'll know that I mean this with genuine, you know, I'm not saying this to be controversial or anything like that, or whatever it may be. It's just, I'm curious on the aspect of, because I guess if anyone was looking at the, this sort of book, or people writing in this fashion in a cynical manner, they may go, well, you know, I guess like someone writing an autobiography. Now, did you leave the bits out where you killed a person? But I don't mean that. But you, you know what I mean. But <laughs> did you leave out the bit? Did you leave out the bit where you slept with a prostitute or something like that? And um, but but what I mean in on this aspect, like, because I guess I'm thinking in my own life of the times where I've been so angry and frustrated, I've shouted at someone very badly and i've lost my rag and you know and broken a a room which you know i'm not yeah. i'm not proud of but i would my point i guess the point i'm making and then i'll let you answer is if i wrote that book if i like for some uh, for yeah. some bizarre reason wrote like my life story or i did someone did a, a biopic of my life as a film or something mm-hmm. i would not i would make sure they would stay they stayed in it may not be, yeah. look great for my character and again i know that's not my character but i know we've already talked about that but um was there ever like a fear of like or was there ever like a discussion of you know would you mind if we don't put that in or was it a case of the truth is what what it is and we'll put what the truth is i think that pretty much pretty much the truth is what it is i mean what i was going to coming back to answer that the book's sort of roughly in well it's it's sort of two thirds and one third, but the first sort of two thirds are themed chapters. So there are, th- you know, chapters okay. about um, about sort of what illness is. Chapters about a, a chapter about the well, the wellness aspect. Mm-hmm. A chapter about the di- the fact that we we conduct this relationship three thousand miles apart. So that's to do, you know, the connection and how we how we make that work. And mm-hmm. um, there's a chapter on the sort of main, you know, mania and, de- and depression. There's a chapter on suicidal thinking. So those are kind of so the content for those chapters was sort of chosen out of the whole sort of you know um, gamut that we had you know to um, to explore those, those topics. Where it came to the the, the third the final portion of the book, the final third of the book, which say takes us through a actually it's more like a four or five month period in our lives, which is the most difficult um, in our in like in, in the time we've been friends. There, it was much more, much more like complete. I mean, you know, it's three chapters. It could have been thirty chapters if we wanted to put everything in it. But um, it certainly, you know, it includes the the dark stuff. It includes a lot of the the, sort of the, the difficult times for for each of us. And I was just going to say is that I think Fran wants to come in. But um, what is really, really important that was in the book, and certainly is, mm-hmm. um, because it's sort of very, you know. Um, presented from my point of view, it's not like oh, isn't Marty wonderful? He know he always knows what to say because yeah. or do because I don't, and we give plenty of examples where I you know where I don't get it right. Oh. Um, because but, an aspect of the way we work is that, that you know it's not really about always worrying or stressing about getting it right. It's a exactly. it, it's not like you know Fran isn't still here because I always know what to say. You know, she's it's still cause, here. Or, it's because it, it, we, cause, yeah. because we know um, how to develop it. Mm-hmm. There, there is not a lot held back, and I have to say, you know, 
part of it, like when we first read it, it was like I wanted to cover myself up again, <laughs> you know, because I'm I am very much exposed. My illness is very much exposed. You know, the way that I abuse things, you know, mm-hmm. food and alcohol, it's all exposed, right? So it's all right there. And and the, I don't really have a problem with sharing my life. The problem, the I'm scared about what people will think. Mm. I'm afraid about how people read this book and then the, and I'm going to suffer more ostracization, you know, suffer more rejection because somebody doesn't get me. But the thing that there is, well, good riddance. Yeah, it's you a different want, attitude. You don't, yeah. don't want to get it, you're not in my tribe. You are not in my tribe. Yeah. There's plenty of people that are in my tribe. Mm-hmm. All right? And I hope more come. But if you want to have stigma and shitty attitudes then you know i don't really want to be around you so well i mean i understand that premise but also i guess from a optimistic person's point of view i guess it does make it like this thing of like we're on different sides of the fence and it would be nice if we're all playing in the same field but we're um i get what you mean though and that like some people are some people are difficult to change their mind in um, because that's kind of the issue is that, like I touched on earlier, the majority of people think that the way that they're handling people with mental health issues is currently the right way of handling it, um, which I always make the point of. I've been criticized for saying this before in the past, but I said, which you, being American, you'll, you'll appreciate this, is that um, I said there was not only black people on Capitol Hill when Martin Luther King made that speech. We need ev- we, He needed white people as well. In order to change people's views, which was the majority at the time, that you know black people were not were second class citizens and didn't deserve the same rights as white people, which is obviously right now. If you say that, there's majority, there's more people you'd like to think because of the way we've changed our understanding of it and, and realizing that it is wrong. And yet, there was a time when majority of people believed that. So that's what leads me to think. Hopefully, eventually, we will change that mindset. But I get your point in a basic sense. The Here's a, I have a question. Yeah. Okay. The blacks, they have that word racism. Yes. The women have the word sexism. Yeah. What's our word? What, for mental health? Yeah. What's our word? I mean, stigma embraces it all. Mm-hmm. But what's, what is our word? What's the ism that we are, you know? Um, insaneism, I don't know. <laughs> there's, you know, there's, there's gay, there's gay pride. Yeah. You know, there's so there's all these under, you know, the, the, who are making the significant headway. It's just that it feels like we don't have any kind of we're we're just too mushy about how to but make again, a, how to how to raise the awareness. We need a word. <laughs> <laughs> but again, uh, yeah, I, I I get where you're coming from. But again, part of me is this this um. I, I am very, like, uncomfortable with this notion of us putting ourselves in separate categories. Because as much as I understand that and, and, and coming up with, like, a, a, a revolution of a certain thing that matters, to me it's all discrimination. Um, it's discrimination. Yes. It, it's discrimination that we're, that, to me, makes us all part of it. 
um, and we're all being discriminated against unfairly. So this I, this is why I'm very reluctant to say that someone's gay or someone's lesbian or someone's transgender um, because it defeats the point of the... the to me, it's almost like... Um, I, I heard um, Cornell West on American TV talk about Black History Month saying that he said he almost wishes it wasn't a thing because it implies that we should only care about it one month for the year. Um, and yes. and, uh, and it, I, I, I've made this argument again. Not a lot of people like me saying this because on Mentally Sound, I've said it several times, is that um, I don't like the idea of having like a World Mental Health Day because yeah. more, more often than not, if you've got a mental health problem, you're dealing with it every single day. So th- That is, yeah... Um, that is that that was yeah that, that that's something that I've um, just to tap back because we, we've we've talked quite a lot about the, our book the yes. book our book yes. and our relation you know our relationship in relation in, yeah. in relation to that yeah. an important a hugely exactly. important okay a hugely important part of this journey over the past sort of four years which has you know led to us having the book almost out um, has been. You know, far, the, the, the ripples of, of, of like out, sort of out into the world, if you like. And that for me personally, and I think for Fran, she can answer for it, you know, for herself, but um, has been like transformative. So it hasn't just been about me, hey, you know, learning how to be, you know, Fran's best friend, mm. learning how to sort of work with her, with her bipolar and her other um, conditions. Yes. But it's completely opened my life, myself up to other people with men, certainly certainly a lot of people with mental health issues, but just people in general, my relationships in general. Great point. Um, Great point. And has open, yeah, opened me up to a much broader kind of awareness of some of these things we're talking, you know, talking about discrimination and stuff. And I, I, I would... Or general patient. But coming... So, from that, from me yeah. being sort of like, you know, exposed to or, or um, conversing with or, you know, yeah. on social media, Twitter, Facebook, whatever. Yeah. A lot of people I know who are in... Well, I hesitate to say that in the context of this conversation, that's sort of the, the mental health arena, because you might not want to kind of separate that off. But, but yeah, whatever, I know what you mean, are, though. I know what you mean. Who though. are sharing, talking about that. Yeah. Who are very, very, you know, when when it's World Mental Health Month, um, day, bipolar day, whatever it is, you know, they just want to kind of like, you know, close the shutters until it all goes away again afterwards. Um, or have a maybe have a, a, a similar sort of response that you that you did there, but it's like you know we're living with this every day. You know you're just raising awareness. You know we're we're living with this shit day in day out. Yeah, and yeah. If we're here for the next mental health awareness week or month next year, it's not due to you. It's due to you know my own efforts. So I I I must admit that when I first kind of I was like. Hang on a minute, but this is for you. This is the way. I don't like. No, that's part of the problem. That is part of the problem, Marty. So we, I certainly, and, and Fran and I, you know, we we do kind of um. Well, we'll be doing a, we'll be doing a sponsored walk, a thunder and a word awareness raising walk in a matter of weeks. That's good. For NAMI within the in the states, mm-hmm. we do a kind of a line and publish and, and publicize and share out stuff for. Mental Health Awareness Day and Week or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. we do consider ourselves kind of part of that. But at the same time, I do completely recognise what you're saying. Um, and it would be great when there's a day when we don't need these things because yeah. it's just like, well, duh. Yeah. I do think... I, uh, I, yeah, sorry, go on. I feel you're saying the same way that you do, Stephen. 
for a long time I did. It was like I was totally, I hated it. And then at some point, I just realized if there, if this is a way to have a voice around it, I, you know, I will do, I will do stuff. Yes. You know, to to raise to raise the voice. To, yeah, yeah. To not, to not be quiet, to not be silent. Um, it's almost like so a lesser, I, lesser of two evils or something. Yeah. yeah. And I feel the same way that, you know, why can't we just all get along? You know, why <laughs> it's can't like we that get phrase, yeah. Why can't why we all just get along? Why can't we get along? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but the thing is, is I've been so silenced for so long yes. that that's not a part of my world anymore. I, you know, this is what I live with. This is what I do. This, if you want to know me as a friend, then this is what it's gonna be. <laughs> you know. Mm. Um, whereas before, I used to t- totally pretend like I was somebody else all the time. Yeah. You know, and then just I- and then just isolate at home. Isolate at home. Go out. Pretend I was somebody else. Isolate more. <laughs> you mm. know, that's what I did. Mm. For you- like I don't know, fifteen years. Uh, do you think like because I wanted to ask his. Um, as uh, Marty touched on, we've we've talked about like your book and uh, a lot about like sort of the illness side of things. But just like the last episode, I wanted to clarify because I think this is important. Is like in terms of because Marty, Marty in particular, uh, you said during this this episode, one something that I really appreciated you saying is that it's not just about dealing with Fran's mental health. It is also about us being like dealing with each other as friends, which I'm sort of paraphrasing, but that was roughly your point. And mm-hmm. and I and I think that is a very very important point that gets underappreciated, is because I I think I, I guess to, to to talk about where I'm coming from and then to to give you a question is I often find because I have an illness that's overwhelming to me, it's obviously overwhelming to people around me. So it very often gets portrayed as that it's a very, it's a very self, it can be very, it can look, come across as a very selfish illness because it's like all about me, 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 even if you don't want it to be. And so what really upsets me as if it upsets me, my character and who I am is anyone who spends any time with me and asked for help of me have always said wow he's the most giving willing person to help somebody and yet i because of what i go through as an illness and it's very transparent and very obvious that i think i get underappreciated for being a worthwhile friend and a worthwhile person to know because that's just the way it is so from your point of view like marty as a friend who deals with someone with bipolar like what is the techniques that you guys do to kind of show, because I guess what I'm saying is it has to be like a balanced thing where Fran is there for you. So, like, what kind, oh. of, what kind of stuff do you do in order for that to 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 work? Do you see my point? Um, I, yeah, I, I I do get your point. Um, I mean, yes, absolutely. I mean, important. It's absolutely fundamental to our friendship and our relationship that it it, it that's what it is. It's a friendship. Um. And friendships are two, like two way. I mean, Fran, at some point a long time ago, you know, sort of, we kind of had this designate, you know, recognition of the, myself as a sort of primary support caregiver or whatever. Yeah. But that is only one. You know, that's just the one aspect. I mean, it's a very real and significant aspect, but that's just one aspect of what we have. So, um, 
we have a friendship. We share whatever's kind of going on in the, in that, like in my life with her and friends like with me. Some of that is related to illness, so, but the, probably the majority of it isn't. We're, yeah. you know, we're, we're friends, so we do all the deep stuff, we do all the fun stuff. Quite often we flick between them, you yeah. know, like, you know, back, back and forth. So we don't have kind of like a strategy. We don't kind of, oh, you know, we, we, we've talked about friends stuff for the last couple of evenings, so hang on, it's Marty's turn. But it, it just kind of balances itself out. So mm. I'm going to let Fran in, because... Just as an example of... Yeah, I'm intrigued to know how you handle it, Fran. Yeah, go on. Um, Our relationship is very balanced. And, you know, I have some very close, some other very close relationships, too. And it is give and take. And we do, you know, we'll talk, you know, illness is a part of it. It, Illness doesn't have to get squashed to the side. Illness can be sitting right there, Mm -hmm. you know. It doesn't have to be blaring. You know, or it can be blaring. I mean, people need to be able to handle different things. But, um, you know, Marty and I, I mean, we're we're on uh, two, three hours a day besides chatting. So we have a very um, strong friendship. And, uh, you know, other, you know, and some of my other friends, they, they just get it. And it's like, okay, it's Fran, you know, whatever. This is where Fran's at right now. And it's okay. Um, I have other friends lately who have been taking advantage of me because I'm a, I'm a giver. I'm like you. I'm a giver. You know, I'll let people stay on my couches. I'll, you know, do things for them just because it's friendship, right? Yeah. I have a big issue when it's not reciprocated or it's not even thanked. or Brad's <laughs> like you an know, amateur psychologist because like, that is exactly why I brought it up. <laughs> You, just, you think you think that I'm mentally ill, so you can just take advantage of me because yeah. I won't even notice, right? Yeah, it's not happening. It doesn't happen anymore. Um, it's just. Like, that okay. I'm glad you. I'm glad you said that because, um, because it, it, it is sort of separate in a certain sense. But this is going to sound weird, but I, I, I'm, I'm intrigued in particular because Fran just brought this up. It's just to know, just to. You know, I'd like to, you to respond to this because, from my point of view, looking at it, because I always like sort of, because I think this is healthy. You should always look at your friendships like in an objective view. Like you should, you, not all the time, because obviously that can be detrimental. But you should every now and again, like, just be aware of your life in general and go, is this as healthy as it could be? Am I doing enough for this particular person? Uh-huh. Um, and try and, and and if that if the answer is no then you're part of the response that that is partly your responsibility um and because I, I wanted to talk about communication but we'll leave that to in a little bit because that's kind of a much wider topic but communication is a huge part of it but um this is going to sound silly but a lot of there's been some friends in my life during my i mean i'm obviously younger than you guys but it's just if i'm aware of i'm not giving as much as me being a friend than them, I I almost say to them that that's not somebody I want to be. Uh, like from your in your life, and what I mean is that if I have a friend that I'm aware of, I'm take like get taking from them all the time, and I'm not giving them anything back. That I like, I feel like I'm not there for them. It's almost yeah. like I don't want to be that friend to the point of I say to them, I'm not really a friend to you in that sense and if you're being nice to me that's great but it isn't balanced like we touched on earlier so that it's going to sound weird to people because you're like well are you getting something from there'll be people listening to this who are going to go but if you're getting that value out of that friend 
But then I'm like, my point is, I don't want to be. It feels like that to me. Like I'm almost using them to help me, and I'm not. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not an active part of the life. I guess my point is, I'm always ringing them. They're never ringing me. Um. Uh. uh y- yeah. So, so that's that. That's why, like I, I said, Fran, you're like an amateur, like psychiatrist or psychologist or something. Because I think you almost like it's almost like you felt that I was like saying that because it was like in my head at the time. But you, it, so why did you say yes, there, Fran? Like just, um, you know, us having to make the effort to call. Yeah. You know, they don't, they don't, they don't call regularly. They don't check in. You know, like, I mean, it doesn't have to be all the time. I mean, no. Like once every two months is fine, yeah. right? But if I'm always the one efforting my energy for somebody, I finally realized, I don't know, this was about in April or May, I said, you know what, I'm not doing that anymore. You know what, I'm just going to go do things by myself. Mm -hmm. I don't have to invite anybody. I can just go take care of myself, you know. And it's been funny because lately there have been other people who have been inviting me to be a part of things. Yeah. Because I'm just I'm just doing my life, you know. Yeah. But I'm not I'm not interested in efforting anymore. That totally gets me unbalanced. It totally gets me sick. And then I feel really bad about myself. And mm. I, you know, bipolar is enough of a relationship disorder. You know, I mean, it's you know, it insomnia. You know. Insomnia is a bipolar factor. You know, relationship is a bipolar factor. Yeah. There's, there's nothing so quick that can, that can take you down for, a, you know, a day, a week, a month, than, a, than an interaction with somebody who, who doesn't get it. Mm-hmm. They can just take, me, they just take me out. And so, Which is what I said more. Um, I know we said, I think we said this on the last podcast we did together. But I think we both were in agreement of, I think I said, because I, as I say, I think I was just out of hospital not too long after we did it. And I said, there is nothing as painful as the people doing that to you as it's more painful than what you're going through. Um, mm-hmm. and I know people will never believe that and think you're just seeing it for value effect. But I, the the people who, you know, you lose like, you know, in my case, and I'm not, again, not being pitiful. I'm not asking for pity. I'm just saying that, you know, I lost like 10 year friendships. Because, uh, over it because um you know y- if you go for a period of time where you it's months and you're not getting better and you're you're not living a worthwhile life and it's difficult that's really really hard for people to deal with because they want to get on with their own life and they don't want you to drag them down with you um w- w- and so it's yeah it, uh, uh, yeah that resonate what you just said resonate but um I think just in general, take mental health aside. That's why I said, look at your friend. That's why I prefaced it by saying, I think everyone in their friend in their life should do that, because um, you should have meaningful relationship with people. Um, and if you're not, and if you're not, um, if you're not, like you said, oh, just stop trying. Is, stop trying with these they, people. Um, the other thing is that they don't have to do it all when you're exactly. sick. They don't have to do it all. Exactly. They could do. We could, they could do this, this one little piece that would be so meaningful to you. But instead, they just take it all away, you yes. know? <laughs> I can't believe. Yeah, like I said to a person, which sounds so trivial. I mean, you get that. And you, you, it brought up like an anger memory when you said that because I, I, I guess you were thinking the same thing. But I said to a friend while I was in hospital, would you mind? And again, there'll be some people who go, that's ridiculous. But I swear this was this person's reaction. Uh, I said to her, 
look, I'm in hospital where I've just signed a document that I'm no longer a citizen. I have no rights at all. I, I don't know what life's like outside. I could be in here a, 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 a decent period of time, and I, I trust, trust me when I'm saying I'm fighting, but I, I, it's hot. this is the most difficult thing. I, I am asking you because it's obviously a difficult situation and I need it. Could you just text me that I mean something to you? Just say, just a text. I don't even have to say anything back. I don't, I don't want it. Like, just could you just say that, you know, you'll you'll be there when I get out? And the person said, that's too much to ask. <laughs> and I was just like, okay. <laughs> yeah. And you just like, this is the person I'd known for years. And I was just like, wow, really? Because he has my argument. And I want, I would like to know what you both think. Because again, it's whether you've got a mental health illness or not, I think this is how people should should be. Is the irony I find, again, looking at things objectively, is it is less in terms of effort and time than you would ask them when well. And do you know what I mean? Like, as in, when you're well with somebody, you spend like a whole night with them. When you ask for one text message when you're unwell, it's considered too much. And I'm like, that to me baffles my mind I, I don't I, I, I've never understood that and I'm just intrigued to know like what's your reaction to that kind of thing like why do you think that happens I know that's a difficult question but it's a difficult I think, I think, I think that the well population is significantly undereducated. Yes. about how to relate to other people and especially how to relate to people who have mental illness mm-hmm who are not always able to function in the same way that they can. Yes. Or, you know, or are in poverty or, you know, like all these other the other things that come with mental and mental illness. And so that's the thing about our book is um, it can open somebody's eyes to what can be. Mm-hmm. That it yeah. doesn't have to be so frightening, that it doesn't have to be horrible that it actually can be like really satisfying and 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 cool and you know it's just take take little uh things from our book and add them to your repertoire and helping somebody why can't people help other people <laughs> I well, social responsibility can, yeah anyway go on yeah no I, if, if i could just sort of come in i mean i i kind of um because I'm, this is a, a bit of an assumption, but I'm going to make, I'll, I'll voice the, my assumption yeah, to yeah, you, cool. Steve. My assumption is that the person that you, that you asked wasn't themselves either at that time and perhaps at all, you know, going through, um, sort of Maybe. similar equivalent experiences themselves. Mm-hmm. So for the purposes of, well, you know, distinction, you know, it was, it was like a well one in the language that, you know, we talk about ill ones and well ones. Fair point, yeah. Um, so, so it's kind of like on my side of the, of the coin or the fence, I guess. Yes. Um, why does that happen? Because people are, because people are not, are, you know, are fallible. Because people are not always at working at their best. Because some people are assholes. <laughs> because all of us, because all of us are assholes. Some, yeah. Because all of us are assholes sometimes. Yeah. Well or ill, not you know, nothing, nothing. Good point. Yeah. Um, I've learned a heck of a lot. In the past five years that I've been, I mean, it's not like the, my journey 
mm-hmm. you know, completely started the day I met Fran. But I mean, you know, I developed through these five years. Yeah. And I touched on before, like how how much that's expanded my awareness and opened me to mm-hmm. people, to relationships, and things generally. But just as the book certainly includes plenty of examples of where I, mm-hmm. quote, get it wrong with Fran, there are any number of examples, which could be in a different book, of where I get it wrong in relationships with other people, whether they have mental illness or not. Mm-hmm. There, will, there would be people who would be queuing up to talk about how, you know, how, how not a great friend I am for this reason or that reason, and I would have my own stories, as, as we all do. But I guess so the key distinction... The bottom, line, the bottom line is that people are messy, or can, you know, <laughs> are messy, and sometimes what seems like a fairly small thing that somebody, that I might say, that somebody might say, in a certain circumstances, that might have a small ripple kind of effect. At yeah. other times, like with your friend there, it's like a devastating kind of it. They may not have recognized, you know, how devastating that would be for you, but basically they messed up. Um, and we all do that. Uh, but I guess the, the, the key distinction between you and that particular person is, like, in your your example with Fran, if that was an example that you made, that, that Fran may have asked you to do, um, the, the difference is people like you stay and they don't. Like, I, I just think that's the, that's the one, because that was essentially what this person ended up doing, is you just, they were just like, uh, you're asking for too much, I don't get why you're asking for that. And I just think it's best we don't talk anymore. <laughs> and I was just like, thanks, bye. Like, and that's something... Because I think the point you're making is essentially very valid in people's general life. Because you do go through friendships. Like, I, I don't know... I can't tell you the number of times. Oh, did Marty disappear there? What happened Marty there? dropped. Marty, hello. Hello, what happened? Yeah, it's okay. We'll just, but uh, okay. We'll, we'll, I'll just, we'll, we'll keep going and see if he like sort of re-enters the call. Uh, hello, you back? There we are. Sorry, my friend. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> oh, it's my Wi-Fi. Don't worry about it. Okay, no worries. Um, but yeah. So the the just to just to kick on uh, what we what we were saying. So like as you said with that particular example, it's just the the point you made was really relevant in the sense of being. Um, being friends because the example I always give to people which is why it bothers me that people have that attitude with mental health is like I often talk about my friends like Fran mentioned she has other friends as well that that are important to her is that I have friends I'm very fortunate especially being 20 years that I have friends that I've known 20 years from school who I still see and I'm always unbelievably grateful but I always make sure to point out to people and this is something they never get we must have had probably about a thousand fights easily in our time scale of that how many times. I can't tell you the number of times in one of my friends in particular, and I know I don't think you'll mind me saying this, but my friend Scott, who I who's like a brother to me, we've had almost fights where we've stopped being friends, but because like over girls and all sorts all sorts of really stupid stuff in hindsight. But the reason I bring this up and the reason I say it's relevant is because. Going through them fights has led me to saying that he's like a brother to me. That I now, having my life not knowing him and being and, and seeing him and, and knowing what he's doing, I don't want to have. I don't want to have that life where he's not part of it. And my point is, you only reach that level by going through them fights and realising that that's part of the deal. Yeah. Um, 
and to give you a great example, I can give you a great example if people are interested to know. Just to give you a quick example, and I'll ask you guys, like, in relation, that your, your response to that is just, to give you an example, like, um, there was there was one particular example with my friend Scott where we, we um, and I'm sure he won't mind me saying this, is uh, we, he ended up um, being involved in, a, in the work I was doing at a particular place, and we both ended up liking the same girl without realising, and we didn't actually realise during the process, but she was, like, playing both of them at the same time. And we weren't aware. We weren't aware of it until towards the end, because we both would like. I was friends with her. He got her number, and then she was basically just texting us separately, um, and we didn't realise this was going on until sort of towards the end. And then it all came to a head when we all went out for like a, a, a night out in town, and she basically declared that she liked him more than me because they basically got close, and I like watched it as it was happening. And I obviously, like, was devastated. And I remember walking out of the club, and this was, like, years ago. I remember walking out of the club and was, like, devastated, and I just couldn't, like, handle it. And But in the back of my mind, I couldn't handle it because the aspect was I didn't necessarily care that much about her. It was the fact it was happening to someone that mattered more to me. And so I was just like, what's going to happen? And I'll never forget this. And I don't even think he knows this, so I hope he hears it, is that... I never forget how great he was in handling that because he didn't have to do this. But we went to the club and he was like aware that I was not, I was different since that happened. Like they, they were hugging and kissing and stuff. And I was like really not dealing with it well. And I just almost was like wanting to leave. But I knew that if I left, it made it worse and all that kind of stuff. And he just took me to one side and said, look mate, what's up? Like I, you're not yourself and I want to know why. And I thought, and I, this is why I always say to people, be honest and genuine with people. Don't bullshit, because that's the opportunity to say what matters. And I just turned to him and said, I like that girl, and I can't, I can't, I'm struggling to handle the fact that she likes you. And, but I said to him, but more to the point, I'm worried what it's going to do to us, because I suddenly become blatantly aware of that I feel like we've both been played against each other. And I don't like that that aspect of it because if you decide to go out with that girl that might mean that 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 means that this is gonna this could be an ongoing problem and we might not be friends again um and his response was um i'm i've become aware of that and i've decided i'm not going to take it any further because you matter more to me and yeah yeah? and uh from a for a guy to say that um, and I'd known him, I don't know, about maybe 10 years, ten over 10 years at, at that point, meant a huge amount to me. And the reason I bring this up and how valuable it is for people to learn, I know I'm like speaking a bit too much here, but it's a relevant story because what then happened after it was, it was difficult for us. And a lot of people would have, a lot of people would have, I, I could understand a lot of people may have gave up because it was really hard for us to get get our friendship back. Uh, we were having periods of time for about up to about a month where everywhere we went we could we didn't know how to talk to each other it was almost like we were starting again because although we had that conversation it was on a night out and we just hadn't addressed it like we hadn't had the conversation afterwards where we were like well where do we go from here how do we repair it and i made the really really mature decision and i'm so pleased he went with it where after about three or four weeks of this happening, I just rang him up and said, could you please come round to my house after work? Uh, I need to speak to you. And 
we just sat down and we aired everything out we needed to. It wasn't like a shouty thing. It wasn't a. It wasn't a like screw you and can't believe this happened. It was. It was just more like a. I feel shit that it happened. I don't like that it that it ha- that it had that effect on us. And I ju- and, and we both mutually sort of said we'll do whatever it takes to make it work again. And from that point on, it was almost like we, we were giving each other permission to go, okay, everything's going to be fine. May take a bit of time. And then it was almost like it was like we went back to the way it was because we just aired what it was. We had almost like a therapy session. We just, we aired what needed to be said. Um, and so that's why the reason I let the, the reason I, I all, all, almost said this story because people might be thinking, oh God, this guy's waffling is it's a relevant story and I hope that helps people and to say that this is why meaningful friendships matter. And also, I wanted to ask you guys, like, because the key part of that story is the fact that we communicated how we felt to each other. And I think part of the problem is not enough people do that. And I'm just intrigued from your point of view and whether it's in the book is, does that come across in the book? And, like, how important do you think that is for you knowing each other? I'll go first. Okay. <laughs> it's funny because I'm on my phone now, so you're. Oh you're, right, yeah. Like, I was just, I was just about really, to comment. Really yeah, I was just about to comment how like it's you, you look like a um I don't know like you're in a post office or something and you're like working <laughs> on a you're like in a basement like working on something. It's quite quite adorable. Um, oh yeah, well this is what the, the, this is where the whole book was written. All oh, right, uh, um, but like yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, communication is ab- you know absolutely fundamental to to our successes as friends. Keeping the channels open between us at, like, you know, at all times. I mean, no matter what we've been through in the past five years, no matter how friends health's been, no matter how we are, just our friendship has, has been, um, whether we've been mad at each other, whether we whatever's been going on, mm-hmm. is that we keep coming back. In fact, we don't really go away, but we, you know, we, we keep coming back. We keep those channels open. And I think, there's an aspect of, you know, we're 3,000 miles apart, you know, there's the Atlantic Ocean sitting, you know, sitting between us, um, and that that really has forced us, or, or at least we've needed to um, work with whatever channels that are available to us, and I mean, they, you know, they all involve the internet in, in terms of that, but that isn't the important part. The important part is that we do whatever it takes to keep talking, to keep communicating, no matter what else is going on. So the book certainly talks, you know, the whole the whole thing is like around that. Mm. And all relationships or friendships, whatever it might be, whether it's partners, parents, children, whatever, you know, that keeping those channels open um, is just absolutely critically important because there's distance, there's the three, th- Fran's desperate to come in. Yeah, yeah. There's like the 3,000 miles of like distance between us, but there's distance in any, in the distance in any kind of like relationship, and you just got to recognize that it doesn't have to be like that. Like I mean, you, you can be, I mean, I'll let, uh, just a, just okay. a quick segue is to say, and I'll let Fran answer it, it's just to say, that, that sounded very poetic, like a start of a song, we may be 3,000 miles apart, but. I still miss, <laughs> but I still miss you, or something. That's what that sounded like. But uh, but uh, but also, but we're sorry. never we're never apart long. We're, we're never apart long enough to miss each other. That's, oh, that, that's yeah, that's that's nice. But also, <laughs> um, just to be kind of like poetically 
and and to to reiterate your point though is distance is only relative to like how you really how much your relationship matters because um you know i for example I, i'll be honest with this because I, I think people know this like my dad lives not far away and i don't have a great relationship with him whatsoever and um, that's the same deal like it doesn't matter about how close you are it's about how relevant you are because i want to like i'll let fran answer this but like i was going to ask you about like sort of an online friendship and like how because i I have online friendships that really mean a lot to me and so i guess that's sort of an intriguing thing to to answer but but yes what what were you wanting to say in relation to that about communication i want to say we have had some great fights (laughs) some of them in the book some of them are in the book yes yes yeah some of the good real good are in the book and um but i you know i am no longer you know because i have marty in my life i am no longer afraid of fights so i can have fights with other people now and not feel insecure about losing them and you know i don't have to have any attachment to outcome you know i can just be um who I am and I can have my voice and I can be true to myself in the face of being with somebody, which is unheard of. I mean, that all my life I've spent hiding, you know, hiding and being somebody else. So now when something comes up for me, you know, when I'm upset about something, you know, I don't squash it down. I may let it uh, percolate just so that I can get some awareness around it. But I will share, you know, I will sh- I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of losing anymore. So, that's so, I mean, that's really relevant to my, uh, to my situation. And I think a lot of people who I imagine who are listening. Because I wanted to ask you in relation to that thing, because I guess I'm going through it, is like, how hot is it? I, I guess if you went through periods of your life where that's been really difficult to maintain, as in, because I guess what I'm saying is, I I feel like I'm going through that period now because I guess I'm still in the sort of tail end of a lot of my relationships, like a lot of my social circle like disappeared from my life, so I guess I'm still sort of dealing with that to a certain extent. Um, but what I think the aftermath that's affected me more is that like you just touched on, I'm freely admitting this, is I'm finding it very hard to trust people and very, very hard to... Not tr- well, not trust people to... A, I can trust people to a certain extent, but what I mean is if I'm bothered by something and I never used to feel this way, is I'm afraid to bring it up by exactly like you said because I'm fearful that they're going to go, why are you being difficult? Um, I don't want to know you anymore. And it's a real... I, I know that come across as a very depre- like a very desperate, um, can, can look come like just a very pathetic way of dealing with things. But um, it is something I'm going through. So, like, what's your advice on dealing with that? Okay, so um, all right, so I, you know, I have a couple of real close friends. Yes, and I we are committed. You know, Marty and I are committed. He's not going anywhere. He's yeah. not leaving. So I have. I have a few people like that who I know are rock, you know, that, you know, because we've been through fights, we've done the wrangling, we've done the punching, and and we are still here. Uh, This is what I have to say. Think of it like your bipolar is like a forest fire. 
and all those trees get burned to the ground. And afterwards, there's little sprouts that come up again. Mm-hmm. People aren't going to be you if they're, you know, it's, I don't need that. I mean, if my circle is really, really small, that's okay. You know, because I, I have, and I have these other people. And that's it. That that has got to be enough. Um, certainly, I know every time I walk down the street, I see people I know. I mean, I have like a huge network of people. You know, are they friends? I don't think so. But because I, I know what a friend is. And a lot of them, they are not friends. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to be seduced into thinking that all these other people are my friends. When they're not, yeah. When my truth, I want to not let them. I want to. I want to pay attention more to them than to anybody else. So I think you could. I think you could. Uh, you want to get excited. You want to get excited about new people. You know? Mm-hmm. Sorry, I think you were cutting up a little bit there, Franz. I hope it fixed itself. But I got oh. the gist. I got the gist of what you said there. But yeah, you, you're quite. You're quite right. Um, I often refer to what you just touched on about whether they're friends or not. As I refer them to, um, I say like I don't like the aspect of a social friend. Um, that that's what a lot of people that I know around here refer them to, like the people you see when you're out and about who you say hi to. They go, oh yeah, I just saw my friend such and such the other day. I use I regard the word friend in a very valuable sense. I only ever call someone a friend who I actually or think an are. Sorry. It could be well, an acquaintance. An acquaintance. It could yeah. be an acquaintance. Yeah. Sorry, Marty. What were you going to say? Well, I was, that was really kind of what you were just saying there kind of resonated with me. I'm, I'm really smiling because going back quite a long way, I mean, Fran knows this, this story long before I met her. You know, I had what it's sounding maybe you're, you're sort of talking about. I had this concept of like, you know, I had my little circle. Well, it wasn't necessarily that small, but I had my circle of like true friends. And outside of that circle, there were just people. They weren't, I mean, I would have been polite to them. Hopefully they'd be polite to me. But I just didn't kind of like engage them at all because they weren't real friends. Those who were inside the circle were the people I trusted sort of with myself and um, trusted myself to be there be there for them. Mm-hmm. What I found like over time was that it was just completely inhibiting and um, I basically kind of like dissolved that circle. So now there are certainly people who are much closer into me. I mean, you know, um, who I would, yeah, I would say they're, they're my you know, closer friends. But I found it completely liberating to actually sort of let go of that need to define a circle of really, really, you know, yeah, good yeah. friends. Um, and that, for me, I mean, it may not work for everybody, of course, but um, for me, it was like absolutely liberating to do that. So now, when I meet somebody, you know, there's a certain rapport, I, I don't feel that need to sort of classify them you know, are they are they are they, are they like a new friend? Are they in the circle? Are they a potential candidate? No, no. Do I need to kind of like keep checking on them every now and again to see if they're in or out? <laughs> it can just be dynamic. It can just see how it goes. Yeah. No, uh, am I yeah. your am I your friend? Franny, uh, <laughs> you have a you have a circle all of your own. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's very nice. Yeah, like a, you're, you're part. You're like he's got like an Olympic rings, and you're like one of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's quite interesting. No, I mean, I, I, I mean, agree with you in the re- premise, though. I, I mean, agree realistically, obvi- I mean, obviously, certain people are much more, you know, significant, important, close, yeah. or whatever you want to say. Of course, they are. And um, then somebody I see occasionally in town or something. Yeah. No. It's 
it's not that. It's it, but seeing it as a more of a sort of a spectrum. Or, it's or, just or people. I, I you, yeah, I think the most basic way of summarizing what we're on about is it seems to me that it's just based on like who is willing to try and who isn't. And again, it goes back to like what I said yeah, about the, the 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 balance in friendship aspect. Um, yeah. If 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 you if you're willing to put as much effort in as the other person, that's something I guess I've learned, especially in my twenties, which I think I would like if I had kids, I would definitely say this to them. Would be, um, it's very similar to what we were just touched on about having unbalanced r- r- friendships. Is you should only put into something what you're getting out of it, um, uh, and in that sense, what I mean is that I'm willing to try to a certain point because that's the personality and person I am. But it, that has to have like a, a a cutoff point. Like you can't just keep doing that forever because, like you said, it lead like Fran said earlier very eloquently. It's just that you end up in a pitch position where you're making that's your responsibility in terms of your you need you need to be aware of like that's not helping you in terms of how you're feeling. Um, and you're putting the effort into people that don't deserve it. Um and but yeah, so that's it, it. And I wrote this song like earlier on, like just to, I know we're talking about limericks. I thought this was interesting because this is something that I would rather be honest and truthful for myself. And if it means having to go to a restaurant and order a table for myself, I'll do it. Um, because I'd rather do that than be around a bunch of people who don't want me to be there. Um, uh, that's kind of the way I look at things now, which is it's. You know, it leads to because I guess that's the unfortunate risk you take is that it leads to being maybe have more lonely nights and and lonely lonely situations. But at least it's real and not fake. Um, that, I'd much yeah. prefer that. Um, so yeah, into so wow, we've talked, again, this is flown by. We've talked about a huge amount of stuff. Um, so I guess like for because I, I guess like a lot of it's been mental health related and how about dealing with it and various other things. Um, there was something that was brought up with Marty. I think you were actually when you brief Fran briefly. Um, I, f- I should have acknowledged it uh, earlier on, but Fran like uh, left the the podcast for a tiny bit. Um, and during that, Marty said something very very interesting. And I, I wanted to ask you, Fran, is that he said, and I thought this is a very very good observation by Marty's point was by helping you through your your. Uh, I'm guessing bipolar disorder. And he's, I, think, I think you did say you're other illnesses as well. It has led him to learn certain things that he's been able to apply to other relationships in his life as well. So he was referring to like, I guess sort of, I, the way I took it as I guess, correct me if I'm wrong, Marty, but almost like you, you, you had a more open-minded view of things and you're more tolerable maybe or more understanding. Is that fair? I would say, yeah, I, I would say... Right, open, open-minded, open-hearted. I would hope. Yeah. Um, Compassionate. I think it's more, you know, it, it, it's yeah. more that aspect rather than the sort of feeling as of empathy mm. side of things. Maybe more than. Sort of, yeah, yeah. Sort of no, I, again. But yeah, yeah. That's that's what I was touching. Yeah, and no, I think you. And again, great point. And so I wanted to ask you, Fran, because this is something especially when you ever, you know, get assessed for having an illness. This is something in particular with bipolar disorder. It's something that you have to bring up because it literally leads to being diagnosed as having it. Is the positive aspects of it. This is something not very many people talk about, which is something I always try to, is I guess, because this is something I'm aware of, which is why I think if you ever ask someone honestly, there'd be people who would say they don't want to get rid of it. And I kind of understand it in the sense of I can see from an objective point of view that it has led me what as horrible as it is to deal with it's led me to be very 
aware of people's suffering and be aware of like what i'm doing right and wrong and how much i'm trying and my my like role in the world and everything else like and that's like from a open mind you know quelling ignorance like it's and my curiosity like i think part of it is my part of my curiosity my seeing curiosity comes from that it comes from wanting to learn more and to better understand people and i love human beings and i think that's part of it so i just was interested for you to talk about that from your point of view like uh, have, have you had any sort of positive you know aspects of it that you wish to share oh all, i i value all you know finally this has taken many, many, many years because, I mean, I've had it for, what, 20 years? I've had mm-hmm. these illnesses for 20 years. Yes. And uh, so for the longest time, I fought, 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 tried to look for fixes, da-da-da-da-da, spent all kinds of money, blah, 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 blah. When I finally got to a place of acceptance, which was in the backwoods of Maine, I uh, that changed my life. I... Um, I began to look at my illnesses, all three of them, as teachers. You know, that all it is is that my body, you know, the pain, my body's talking to me. Yes. You know, what is it saying? What is it, how do, how do I need to best care for my body right now? You know, same thing with the fatigue. Great same point. thing with the bipolar. Yep. Where I looked at it, I just shifted my whole consciousness to, you know, how can I best support my system so that it, it's, you know, being as good as I can. And if it's not doing very well, to not beat it up, but to be gentle with it, right? And um, so, yeah, in in that learning that I've done for so many years, because it was basically, it was a life, you know, it was a life or death situation. So that's why I came to this place. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> If you're gonna if you're gonna live with it, best try best live in a good place. Yeah, I am I am hypersensitive with mm-hmm. people, you know, in terms of, in a good way. You know, I'm always kind of paying attention to how they're feeling or yeah. or you know what they're talking about or how I can best help them. I have I feel like I have a lot of original thought. Mm. And, um, you know, nothing's original, but I, that's what I feel like, so it makes me happy. Um, so I feel like I have that, you know, like with my writing, you know, there's just a lot of creativity, mm-hmm. um, a lot of original. Uh, it's an original voice. And um, and I, like you, I, I care about people. I don't want them to hurt me, and I will, I, I will not, I will be hypervigilant about not not letting people do things to me anymore because now I have self-worth and part of the illness of bipolar is that we don't have self-worth and we feel like we're alone and da 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 all of that thinking um, just is what uh, you know makes us unable to do anything Um, you know it just immobilizes Something that uh, is something that is obviously like impacting my life at the minute, which which I generally wanted to just ask you directly is like, have you ever got over the guilt aspect? Like, do you ever, do you still feel like guilty about even having it? Because that's something I no. still struggle with. Um. So does just like so? How did how did you come to terms with that? Well, it took many years, but it started with acceptance. Mm-hmm. When I began to accept and even embrace what was going on with myself, I think um, meditation and mindfulness have been critical for my, yeah. you know, yeah. I, I, you know, I don't know that you ever recover, but you know, for whatever, for the, the process, my strategy 
um, the meditation and mindfulness has been really important because that helps me separate my thinking and, and, and allow space in between the thoughts that are racing yeah. sometimes. Um, and it allows me to come from a higher place when I'm dealing with people rather than just complete emotionality and, you know, anger or whatever. Um, it allows me to have forgiveness. Um, as I learn to forgive other people for their stuff, I learn to forgive myself for, you know, whatever. Yeah. I guess, like, because whenever you, like, get assessed or have to, like, sort of feel like you have to prove you have it, it's, like, it's quite di- it's quite a difficult position to be in because it's just, like, it's, mental health is the most, I find, just because it's inside a person's body, really difficult to prove. Um, and I guess that's where, where it leads to a person. I guess it's part of this. It's the symptom of having it in the first place. It's self-defeating in a funny way because it's it, it's it's almost that's the thing that's telling you that you're it's like you're feeling guilty because you have it because it's telling you to feel guilty. So it's like this horrible, this horrible like um you know circle circle as it were but it's good that you've reached that place i think like i I think i'm hoping that that'll that'll um i've gotten better at it i was a lot worse as a a, a younger but i hope that that just like sort of gets better over time as you say but um but yeah i just thought it was interesting to ask because i think that's something on a grander scale when i talk to people not just bipolar disorder but anyone with a problem is that the guilt factor of the the because society makes you feel guilty about it because um you become like if you're on benefit or you're getting some sort of treatment or help that you're a freeloader and you're not contributing or you're not doing enough and i guess that's what i'm going through this feeling of like do i uh, do i deserve being so <laughs> it, uh, i i almost i'll be honest I'll, I'll say what i was just about to say as stupid as this sentence is i was almost like do i deserve to be looked after was almost what i just said there and i don't mean it in the sense that it sounds like i just mean like am i do i um because i guess proven that you have a problem and proven that um you need help in doing that is very overwhelming yeah. and difficult to do in the first place because you've got to deal with the illness to begin with um yeah. so that's ironically shown that you do need help um i don't know it's just very i don't know just that that was my thought that was the way i was going with that but um anyway wow sorry go on i remember in the beginning in the beginning for me i had a you know in order to do all this assessment stuff for you know disability or whatever i had this you know two inches of medical records right Mm -hmm. and uh you know, I submitted everything. Got all. It was su- it was such an enormous amount of work. It was t- completely overwhelming. Anyway, I got it all, and uh, it got rejected because they found a sentence from a doctor that said, "I'm having a good day." <laughs> See, that's what worries me. That's because that's kind of similar stories you hear. Um. Uh. Yeah. So, which um, defeats the purpose i mean over here i don't know what it's like there but over here like the the sort of worry is from i mean we've got too long to get into in a in a bigger sense but just basically I, they've sort of changed this a little bit but it's very like physical orientated uh, a lot of the stuff they ask you so it's always like can you get out of bed and i'm like well the issue with mental health is you could on any given day theoretically get out of bed <laughs> Um, yeah. But it doesn't prove, like, I almost want to go, like, because one of the questions legitimately is, can you put your arm over your head? And I almost want to sarcastically reply by going, I don't know how many jobs uh, pay you for having your arm over your head. Like, um, that doesn't that doesn't prove anything. Um, and 
the the problem is like you said the the lack of understanding and the correlation between if you have a mental health issue and how much it affects you, affects you physically and from a bipolar disorder point of view the thing that i always reiterate to people is as you said this earlier the self-worth and the just the morbid aspect of of life like you have a very morbid view or at least i do i know it's not the same for everyone with bipolar disorder but that's the very common symptom is that everything's just with a morbid outlook and everything's black black and 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 and, and difficult to deal with um do you have do you have support to go through this process like a case manager or a lawyer um, or somebody? yeah that, well that's one of the reasons why i feel like a little bit optimistic about it is because this is something i say to other people who've gone through it is that there are fortunately some charities where you can go and and even if you don't get accepted for it um, the appeal process is quite um, is quite uh, what's the word um, effective, and it's uh, more often than not, you, when your case gets reevaluated, they look at it and go, well, "That's ridiculous. Why did that get disproved?" Because it's one of these unfortunate situations where if the government, on um, in a recession, and the government is paying for stuff, the government want to try and find any excuse not to pay anyone. They don't really care, which is a very sort of non <laughs> non caring outlook of it but unfortunately that's the way it is and like you say we've we've done it on the mental sound mentally sound radio show we've talked about it endlessly about um people who've been rejected because like you say it'll say oh there's one particular like uh there was one example we gave where a person was in a wheelchair and had arthritis they only had loose he only had loose of use of one of his legs and he was in a wheelchair majority of his life um and he happened to say as an off-handed comment to one of the assessment people um, occasionally my carer will help me out of my wheelchair um, because it's obviously um, you know debilitating and, and it, it can be uncomfortable I'm, this is what they've said obviously I don't know what this is like but I'm just saying it's uncomfortable being in a wheelchair every day and if I have if I feel able to stand up with support from my carer then I will ask for that because it's better for that to, to, for them to me to be sitting in the chair. They took that as, oh, you're basically, that's you declaring that one, like one day a week you're able to get out of your wheelchair and do something. Um, yeah, same. Yeah, same. It's horrible. I, um, it took, um, you know, I submitted the first time and took the uh, second appeal. Yes. For me. So, so yeah, it's a so long, it's I, a I am process. So yeah, I am prepared if it if it doesn't work out, but um, but yeah, so but it just to the I guess the more wider point we're making, it just sucks that you have to go to that to that extent, really, because um, yeah. I'm in the same boat. You know, I mean, I was I've been in the hospital twice in my life and sent a bunch of evidence, and I get I get that you have to be assessed. It's just the fact that there's this fear of they'll find some sort of weird thing to say that you you don't deserve it. But there you go. Um, is there anything you guys want me to mention before we wrap this up? I guess the one thing we never got to. Um, because we went on a complete, we talked about other things. Was um, the 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 new title like just in general? Are you guys happy with it? Oh my oh, gosh! Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mm-hmm. mean, yeah. yeah who came, when, who when came up with it? Was it their suggestion? No, no, no. We, we came up with it after after we were after it was suggested to us that the original title wasn't going to cut it, okay. and it wasn't just the, although Fran did mention the one agent, which was probably the first and most sort of credentialed person to have you know not liked it. I mean, it, it, that wasn't the only actual you know the person um, that we respected or whatever who, who said so. Mm-hmm. Um, but we went away and we churned through hundreds, must have been hundreds of different titles. Um, high tide, low tide, um, 
was actually, and well, actually still is, it was was a chapter title. Um, and then, right. you know, it, it, uh, we, we settled on that for, for the book. So the full title, it's High Tide, Low Tide, A Caring Friend's Guide to Bipolar Disorder. Um, and when that just seemed to come together and, and kind of like resonate, and we sat with it for a while, it was a working title for a while. Um, and then when we connected with the um, with Michael and Marcus at, uh, at Nordland, then, you know, that that was, you know, the decision really to go ahead with that. I do like it. When you say the whole thing, it does, like, make a lot of sense. And I'm sort of thinking about it in a metaphorical sense, like the sort of tides always changing and, uh, yeah. It, it has a lot of, yeah, I mean, it, it has some general kind of resonance and relevance to bipolar. Yes. You know, um, the ups and downs. Um, it has some personal resonance in terms of the ocean between us and France. Yeah, like yeah. The, the island when we when, when we first met for the first year or so. More yeah, I mean, uh, so get, there's a lot of it, there's quite a lot packed into those few words. No, of course, yeah. That's why I think it makes a lot of sense. And yeah, again, like we touched on earlier, "Gum on My Shoe" does have some, I guess, potentially strange connotations for people reading it. But yeah, yeah. high tide, low tide. But we're, especially but we're, with the, as Fran said earlier, we you know we're retaining the the, the "Gum on My Shoe" is is our brand. Yes, it's your website. It's, we, we, yeah. We've lived without a good while. We, yes. we love it. We're, yeah, we're, no, no, totally no, makes sense. Yeah. It's almost like if I did a book, I wouldn't call it. I don't need to call it Geek Apocalypse. I could call it whatever. So yeah, it makes. Doesn't, you can. It makes sense. Um, I just wanted to ask you just quickly because uh, I guess to wrap this up and obviously mentioned. We should, we'll, I guess we'll end on when the book's coming out and stuff because that's kind of interesting. Obviously, we want people to know. Is um, I just wanted to ask because this is something I thought about the other day because as, as I touched on, I have a, I have a friend in particular in America who I care a great deal about, um, and I've never met her. And I, I, have, I don't think I've ever asked you this. Are you guys actually officially met for real? Once. Where, when was it? Like, was that when you went to Europe on trips and stuff? That's when I went to Europe with my. I was with my mom uh, and her husband for yes. three months, uh-huh. and uh, we took the Queen Mary to uh, Hamburg, huh. and we stopped in Southampton, England, and Marty drove down from Newcastle, and we spent about six hours together. That's yeah. really cool. It, yeah. So how long was, ago was, was that? Great. When was that? That was two thousand. That was two thousand thirteen. All right, so not long. Yeah. Not that long ago. Um, yes, yes, yeah. So cool. Like that. That, that was. That's really nice that you have met. But that, that's not. Re- that's just a nice uh, subplot, and so it's nice to know you've met. But I just the point I was rating to in relation to online relationships in terms of, is that it kind of shows you. I've developed as a person, you know, to take mental health outside of it and just talk about me as a person, is that I feel like there's a lot of stuff I've changed my opinion on. And one of them is I did used to have what I ne- what I ended up realizing was a quite, what's the word, like um, ignorant, discriminatory view of people who have online relationships with people. I used to think, like, it's not meaningful. It doesn't matter. Like, if you don't meet them, what's the point? And I've been... Yeah, oh yeah, well there's that, yeah. And um but yeah, also just, you know, people I I talk to more consistently online have completely changed my view on that. Um and I find myself, you know, generally caring about this uh, this one particular friend I'm thinking of and and um and I've never met her and it, I it, it, and the, what I well, the reason I bring this up is cuz I never thought I'd say that and 
and also what's intriguing about it is it almost doesn't matter. I mean, I've just I said well like a couple of days ago it would be really nice to meet you one day, but it's and I, and I obviously you would like that to happen, but you know what you know it it works, and so I just wanted to ask you guys from from your point of view, like a major with the majority of your friendship being an online thing, yeah. like what's your sort of I guess my, way of well, my take describing my, it. My take on it is it, we're all people. You know, yes. there's three of us talking now. There'll be hopefully hundreds of people listening into it when the, when this mm-hmm. is up there. That that's you know that's hundreds and the three of us people, and it's the connection. That's a that's a relationship. That's a coming together. Yeah. Um. That's meeting. So, you know, words are just words. They're just labels. But you you know you sort of asked you know had we ever met? Well, we met the day we connected. On Skype, you know, on, on point, Facebook yeah. in the first place. Yeah, exactly. We, you know, we met, we met every every day or whatever, whether it's by e- by email, by text, by phone, you know, Skype calls, or whatever. We met in person, face to face, once for six hours in Southampton, um, <laughs> and then we went back to meeting, uh, you know, um, virtually, mm-hmm. uh, you know, every day since. But to me personally, it's all the same, mm-hmm. especially with the fact no you. Diff- Especially with the fact that you can see people now uh, and stuff like that, that does well, sort of help. Well, yeah, I mean, well, when I say there's when I, when I say there's no difference, that doesn't mean to say an email is the same as a Skype call is the same as sitting across a coffee no. table. You know, uh, it's not to say that they're the same, mm-hmm. but one is not. You know, to, to me, one is not does not trump the other. You know? mm. And certainly, if you um, connect in as many, you know, as many sort of different ways as as, as we do, um, you know, th- there's no difference. So, in 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 my terms, in the, in my book, if I was writing the book of, of, uh, of you, Stephen, you know, you and your friend that you, you're talking about there, you've met. You know, whether you get to meet face to face is a different matter, but you know, you've met and you know each other. Yeah, yeah, not totally. You know, I, I, and I think it's because like you, you don't have that feeling unless you prepare to be close to each other, and it's like. So the fact that you, you we've obviously talked about stuff that's relevant because I'm as Fran said uh, she was right in her assumption that I I'm definitely somebody who um, like if I like someone or are attracted to them just in a general sense is someone who um, is willing to share information and be open about things like that really resonates with me and 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 uh, I I like I like people a lot who are like that like I guess because people ask this about me when I've about me presenting these shows is do you ever get a, a situation like w- what's your most difficult guest and I uh, and I say it's not one particular person it's a person who is unwilling to talk about anything like uh, just to be open about an answer like um I get very you know, disillusioned when I ask something which seems very trivial, and they go, oh, "I'm not prepared to answer that." For it seems like a very innocuous reason, but there you go. Anyway, what's your what's your um uh what would you say to to people, uh, Fran, about online relationships? Like, why does it matter to you? Why does why do you think it's relevant and means something? Well, the first thing I wanted to say was this. Mm-hmm. Uh, my hope is that in the same way that online relationships are are gaining uh, credibility and yes. value and people are seeing things more and more. I hope the same thing happens for people with mental illness in relationships. The same thing. I mean, why not, right? Mm-hmm. Sorry, you were cutting up again there, Fran, so I didn't get the end bit of that. So, 
but it was so good. I know, yeah. It's really annoying, yeah. Trust it when we're wrapping so things up that it get, we finally start getting connection issues. It's typical Skype. It's almost like it's aware. Right. It's, self, it's, it's not, self-aware. Say it again. Um, so, yeah, I just was asking you about, like, online... My, my hope is that... Yeah. It's not working. I know. Yeah. As soon as you, as soon as you start saying something, it cuts out. That's really annoying. It's, it's not- very strange because um, Fran's Fran's connection is usually really, really good, and it's usually mine. That yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. It's yeah. weird. It's usually I find in freeway Skype conversations, it just decides which one's not working. Uh, <laughs> it's very, very annoying. But um, but yeah, I did, I, I did my quota. I did my quota, and it cut me off. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, we, we, it's, it's, it's Skype's way of saying, like, Stephen, wrap this up. We're, we're, we've, we've got all we need to. Um, but no, seriously, as, like usual, it's been very, like, um, as I said, with my, my just sort of current, like, sort of difficult situation, this was, like, the perfect time to do this type of podcast for me. And I just hope, like, last time, because I got some very nice feedback the last time we did this. I mean, obviously, the 100th episode was the 100th episode, and it was just more about us talking about, general stuff and just celebrating that it was 100 episodes but in particular the one we did before um it's kind of nice like we should be maybe you just just like decide to do this like a, a year every anniversary of my like uh, hospital thing just to make me feel better about life <laughs> we'll put it in my calendar yeah yeah we'll just keep doing it yeah. but no it was really really seriously fun guys um and i just would like want to end because i guess like just because you're breaking up fran i'll ask marty to say this is um just when is the um so the book is finished. Oh yeah, and also I never asked you about like your Facebook Sunday thing. Like, how did that go? Um, yeah, the, well, the, the book's all all um, pretty much ready to go. I'll, um, it will be uh, um, it will be published in um, early October. So really, um, Great. given where we are now, we're, we're talking about just about a, a month or so away. Great. Yeah. Um, wow. We had a yeah we we had a, a book reveal um, event on Facebook on Sunday. Um, I'd never run anything like this before. Didn't mm-hmm. really know quite how to do it or what would happen. Mm-hmm. Um, it ran for ten hours straight, and wow. it was abs- it was phenomenal. The number of um, it's not like we had thousands of people on, but we had we had a lot of people um, sort of ch- tuned in and came in. There were a lot of people who sort of stuck with us pretty much from beginning or end, or they dropped out and came back. Nice. Um, we had some great sort of guest hosts, um, you know, al- along the way there, um, and you know, pop. You know, part of the way through, the whole point was to re- you know to reveal the cover, which we'd known and come to love. Um, you know, to to the wider. So is that the, the one? That, is that the one you sent me? That's yeah. the one we sent you. Yeah, I know you sent you like a banner with it on, and I thought like, yeah, so I have seen. Banner with it on. Yeah, I mean, there's a few, there's a few different sort of versions of it. I mean, the, the even like the 3D graphic there um, yes. that they put together. Um, of you know of the of the book with a with a fantastic photo of uh, the the Fran took as the background the backdrop. Nice. Um, that, that was no, really I did great. I did really like that it. It looked phenomenal. really well done. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a fantastic event. Um, I was exhausted by the end of it. <laughs> I but can it imagine. Was, it was really, really yeah. good. Yeah, I've done. Um, I, yeah. I've done. I've done like twelve we'll, hour uh, broadcasting blocks. It's not fun. <laughs> it's not fun. Yeah. We'll do it. We'll do another one. It, it won't be quite as long. Um, Fair we'll enough. We'll do another one for the launch, and as I say, early October. I might. You might. If you might. I might. I know you uh, say. I'm, uh, I might break my Facebook rule for that. For that next one. For the next oh, one. Yeah. Do it. <laughs> I, I. I just don't like Facebook. I just usually avoid it for that. For that. For the. Um, I just don't find it. I just don't enjoy it. But, uh, but I've already talked about this on here before. But. But anyway, yeah. So 
do, do you do you know just because I'm curious because I would look I'm, I'm definitely going to obviously get the book is um when where is it going to be sold after you like go on Amazon or stuff like that or you got a yes, website it'll it'll be certainly to begin with it'll be it'll be on Amazon um, and probably some other online booksellers as well I'm not 100 percent sure yet um, but certainly on Amazon it'll be out in paperback initially and then um, a little bit later on maybe a couple of months later. Um, it'll be out in Kindle and e-reader. Mm-hmm. Um, so paperback first. Um, Ooh, are you are you thinking about audiobooking it? That'd be interesting. Um, <laughs> it's not completely off the cards. It's not something we've discussed, it, like in something like in detail in terms of a timeline or anything. Yes, but, um, uh, that's something you, that's something you usually do once you've got the like you know the, the main yeah. version out the way and stuff, and you go, oh, an audiobook would be nice. Paperback and ebook. It's, uh, <laughs> it's usually whenever we bring, when people bring up audiobooks, people start ended up going. Uh, it's when I, uh, this happened before on the podcast where people start doing like their best voices to go. I can do it if you want. Like, oh yes, welcome to the like. You know, you start doing all these impressions. It's like, oh, but no, obviously it would make sense. You we'll doing it. Yeah. But, um, we'll get Stephen <laughs> No, no, it'll be cool. No, 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 I mean, just sure, it's I'm a good. Sure be listening in. It'd be a good thought. It'd be a good thought. Um, but anyway, yeah, so that's really, really cool. So I guess, like, I don't know where Frances appeared to, but we'll we'll end with her when she comes back. But just, obviously, thanks, Marty, for doing this again. It's been really, really fun. Oh, it's, um, been, it's been brilliant. Yeah, thank you for thanks, just being thanks, here. Thanks for inviting us. Yeah, thanks for inviting us back. I mean, from our point of view, it was really, really great timing, but it's, any, like, any time, we're more than happy to come back. No, not totally. Um, yeah, as they, like, have an open invitation, but it would be nice, like, to at least do this, like, once a year would be nice. Um, yeah. But, but, um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm just, like, obviously, you know, you know this already, but I'm just, like, you know, I was really, I'm really happy for you. So, like, I'm really happy that you guys got a publisher, and um, I'm pleased I'm going to get to see the book in all its glory, because I was excited when you guys talked about it, and I guess, like, most things, I wasn't being sort of pessimistic. I was just... Like, when you first talked about it, I'm like, oh, wouldn't it be nice that someone would publish a mental sure. health book? But I was like, maybe it won't happen. But I wasn't, like, sort of, like, deadpan about it. But I'm like, I'm just really <laughs> glad that it's all worked out. Um, and I look forward to seeing it for real. Do you have any idea how much it's going to cost? Or do you not know that yet? Is that still being debated? <clears throat> um, not... <clears throat> not I don't, I don't I don't know for for certain. Um, yeah, it'll enough. be priced like along. You know, I guess just, well, I guess that would be a good plug to say. Go on, like go, is it, go on my tree dot com, isn't it? Um, uh, go on, go on my go on my shoe dot com. Go on my shoe, sorry, dot uh, com. And on, are you still go on my shoe book? Wasn't it on Twitter? I'm or have still, you changed still it? Go on my shoe on Facebook. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, obviously, just follow follow them on Twitter and uh, look on their website and stuff. I'm sure they'll mention when it's like ready to go. But I'm hugely. Oh, yeah. I think we might. We might just drop it in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like, like, yeah, like on on the date release, like, oh, by the way, I've got a book out. Like, <laughs> no, I guess there'll be some sort of build up to it. Um, but yeah, sure. Uh, thanks, Fran. I was just waiting for you to come back to say thank you for coming on. I don't know if you can hear me, but hi. <laughs> yeah, it seems to have fixed itself. Yeah, so yeah. hello. We can hear you. <laughs> Great. But yeah, just thank you so much for coming on, Fran. It's been really nice. Thank you. Um, thank you, thank you very much. Yeah, always a pleasure. Yes, indeed. Um, and yeah, I'll just sort of wrap this up. So I'll just say bye, guys, and then we'll just wrap this up. So huge thank you to Fran and Marty. Um, obviously, I recommend their book. High is it high tide, low tide, isn't it? That's the way it is. High, t- high tide, low tide. Yeah, not low tide, not, not the other way around. So yeah, high tide, low tide. Um, uh, really, really great, great book. Obviously, about a friend uh, and helping someone through bipolar disorder, which is Fran, which they both wrote. 
Um, as I just mentioned throughout the podcast, they were on before talking about the original idea, which was Gum on My Shoe. So I recommend you guys listen to that because we talk about subjects similar to this. And obviously they were also on the 100th episode. I forget which one, whether, whether it was the first one or the second part, but um, I think it may be the second one. But, um, but yeah, so they were on that as well. So obviously listen to them. And obviously check out the website and Twitter and stuff like we just mentioned. And their book is out sometime early October. Uh, huge thank you guys. I'll end the podcast like I always end with the words of the great B-movie robot, Josh Crash and Burn. And we'll see you guys very soon for another edition of the Geek Podcast. And thanks just guys for listening. Really appreciate it. Uh, take care. Bye.